Welcome to Dark Academia, the podcast. I'm Nikki. And I'm Allie. And we're here to talk everything mysterious and macabre around schools and universities. Last time we recorded, Allie told us all about what school? It was NYU, right. New York University. Which is so cool. It's so close to us. So I didn't even know like half that spooky stuff. I'm here today because it's my turn to talk now. And I'm here to talk to you about an Ivy. This Ivy in particular is known for like a lot of depression and student suicides. At least that's what I always heard. But I didn't see a lot of like student ghosts. So we're going to talk about Cornell University today. Actually, wait, Allie, at the armory yesterday, mm-hmm. Cornell was there racing right before our meet started. Oh, really? Yeah, I saw a bunch of teams that we used to race against yesterday, actually. And then I texted both Chuck and Pete, and they said they're at Boston University this weekend. Oh, I guess that this is BU, because this is two weeks before Valentine's Day, so it's the Terrier Invitational. Right. Yep, that's exactly what it is. Yep. So I got all excited. I thought I was going to see them, but then it wasn't them. But it's okay. Cornell was yeah. there, though, racing. Yeah, I don't know if our audience picked up on last time, because I forgot what we said a whole lot, but we used to run a whole lot, and very familiar with the Armory in yes. New York. Pretty much. I have no other ways to say it. It's, we ran a lot. Just so much running. So much running. And what's happening in Miami this weekend? The marathon. There's more (laughs) running happening. You can't escape. We can't escape it. No, everyone just stop running. Just stop it. (laughs) Okay. Let's talk about Cornell. I have my notes on my iPad right here. Oh, I'm Uh, excited. So it's located in Ithaca, New York, which is probably one of the grayest and like kind of depressing cities. I don't know if you've ever, have you ever been there? No, but I do have, one of my best friends went to Ithaca College. I know that there's gorges, like G-O-R-G-E-S. That's like a big deal up there. Great. I, th- I think that there's a really big, I want to say there's a really big farmer's market up there as well. I feel like Which makes sense because I feel like the area is pretty like more rural. That's exactly what I was going to say. I feel like it's a lot more rural than what we're used to, for sure. I mean, it's like central, northern central is New York. I don't, I don't know the geography too well but i know it's cold yes i did hear it's very cold so like actually great segue it's about 200 miles north of new york city mm-hmm. so, so it's a trip yeah it's trip it's pretty far and it's upstate so cornell's obviously a member of the ivy league and it's home to actually a little over sixteen thousand undergraduate students and ten thousand graduate students i had no idea it was that big yeah i thought it was a lot smaller than that that's a lot of students. Yeah. And I mean, it could be that like people, they're not maybe on campus. Maybe they live or like, I don't know, whatever. It's crazy though. So there's 2,950 members of the faculty as well. So a huge staff, huge staff, notable alumni. This was actually fun to look at. Bill Nye. The science guy. <laughs> Jane Lynch. The queen. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. May she be resting. Rest in peace. Anthony Fauci, Toni Morrison, yeah, Kurt Vonnegut, there's an author, Juno Diaz, that I've read, and Christopher Reeve. Oh, wow. Yeah, and the list kept going, too, but I figured I would just include those limited amount here. Mm -hmm. So, it's Division I, it's got 37 athletic teams, and they have one of the largest intramural programs in the nation, actually. The mascot is the Big Red. It's like a bear holding, like, a red 
C or something like that. I remember seeing on the singlets now. Yeah, yeah, that's that was my first reaction to the section. Yeah, I was like, like oh, I know yeah, that the singlets, right? And it was founded in 1865 by Ezra Cornell and Andrew Dickinson. Okay, so old, pretty old. Yeah, definitely, definitely very old. There's a few different. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, six sort of like spooky things. And then we're going to actually dive into some secret societies, which is fun. Though, you know, you never know how accurate that stuff is, but we'll see. All right. Cornell ranks as 29th on the online school center's list of top 50 most haunted colleges and campuses. I, I can think, see that. It's old. Yeah. So there's a few different little short stories because it's not like there's one big major event that happened that caused a bunch of hauntings. There's like tiny little things. So first off, between 1870 to 1903, one of the most eccentric professors at Cornell was this guy, Hiram Corson, and he taught English lit between mm-hmm. those years. So about like 33 years. He firmly believed in the afterlife and the ability to communicate with spirit. And he supposedly communicated with a lot of different famous poets, including Robert Browning, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, Lord Alfred Tennyson, and Walt Whitman. Just to name a few. Yeah, just to name a few. Lots of, lots of fancy, fancy guys there that I read way too much of in college. But anyways, the first one is the William Strait Hall Student Union. That's the first building we're going to look at. It's commonly known as the Strait. And it's a six-story building with Gothic architecture. Apparently, there are ghosts of handsome young men dressed in tuxedos walking around that are often seen by students. I honestly wouldn't mind this. <laughs> now, if I was in college and I saw anyone in a tuxedo, I'd be shocked, let alone a ghost. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Exactly. The reactions would probably be similar. Like, we barely saw long pants. That's very true. You're right. Like, I don't know if the ghosts or the tuxedos are the most shocking part of That's that. what I'm saying. Like, would it be, which one would be worse? Okay, so maybe one day we can go around to the street. We'll take a little visit and hope to see some handsome ghosts in their tuxedos. Okay, so now here's another creepy one that I kind of, I kind of like this in a weird way. So there's the Sage Chapel, all right? Mm-hmm. It's actually one of the most popular wedding venues in Ithaca. And... It's oh, I small. love that. Yeah. Wait, listen to this, though. It's so cool. There's not a lot of space. And so you know how when you are in a bridal party and you go to the church and you kind of hang out in one of those side rooms or something waiting for the bride to walk down the aisle and like you guys make your entrance and stuff? Mm-hmm. So at the state chapel, there's not a lot of space for that all to happen. So a lot of the bridesmaids and groomsmen end up preparing for the ceremony in the crypt. Which, oh my god. That just like feeds my spooky soul. Like for some reason I would like love that. I don't know why. Okay, I guess I just hang out in this nice cool crypt before a friend gets married. It's very Wednesday Adams. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> so in this crypt, there's a lot of really famous people actually laid to rest, including the founders and just important people who have donated to the school. So one of the founders, Ezra Cornell, supposedly the legend is that bridal parties will fill these cold spots and see flickering lights, you know, all like that stuff that comes with like traditional ghost 
mm-hmm. uh, stories. But if that all happens, that means that Ezra Cornell is rising from his tomb and is bestowing his blessing on the couples who are getting married. Oh, that's really nice. That's really nice of him. I know. I kind of like that. I really do. He's just like, you know, signing off on it. Like, oh, this will be good. It's only the, I would bet that this isn't in my sources, but I bet that it's only like the Cornell people. I would imagine, because I know a few universities, when you use their facilities for like weddings and stuff, I think that a huge stipulation is that you had to have met at said university. Oh, I wonder if that's true for Marist. I wondered. I mean, obviously, when we went to Marist, we would only ever see Marist people we knew getting married at the chapel. But I know at Trinity in Dublin, like that, you have to have met your significant other at Trinity within like a few years of graduating and then have to, in order to get married at Trinity. Wow. Well, Trinity's also super old, so maybe they can't just like have anyone. They can't just like have everyone coming in. Yeah. The wait list would be too long. (laughs) Yeah. I bet that's what it is, actually. Okay. I wonder if Ezra is also like in the crypt and like hearing all the bridesmaid gossip and he's like, oh, I want in on this. Oh, definitely. He's been dead for ages now. He, what else is going to entertain him except all the tea that complaining about when you're in a bridal party? Oh, yeah. Like he probably like, just likes to eavesdrop a little bit. Just like wants to know what's going on. Can you believe that so-and-so tied her dress like that? Can you believe how they were acting at the rehearsal dinner? Any sort of gossip, I swear. Like anything. Like, he knows every Cornell alumni who's got married there that is a bridezilla. Like he knows. Ezra has their number. <laughs> he has their tape. Not that I think this is going to happen, but I'm starting to wonder if my sister, I don't think so. I mean, I know her, we're twins, but part of me feels like she might get a little bit like this. I'm wondering if Katie's going to be a little bridezilla-y now that she's in I feel like Katie just knows what she wants. Yeah, she knows what she wants. She's willing to bend and she can compromise. She doesn't want anything majorly big and neither does her fiance. But I don't know. I'm wondering if it'll happen and if it will happen, when it will happen. So we'll see. <laughs> okay. Sorry for that sidebar. So the agricultural agricultural quadrangle. That was really hard for me to say. I'm sorry. I've never heard that word. Quadrangle? I don't even know. I heard the word. It's a geometry thing. We know I'm not good at math, so I have no idea what it looks like. Geometry is literally when I started getting a math tutor, because if I didn't have my math tutor, I would still be in 10th grade geometry. Quadrangle? Yeah. I don't know, but I feel you. A lot of my students have actually been complaining about geometry, too. I'm like, I don't miss those days, you guys. Okay. Agricultural quadrangle, known as the Ag Quad. Apparently, many ghostly forms of men show up there wearing these top hats and dressed in, like, 19th century clothing. And they appear when one of the buildings on campus in that area is about to be demolished. Ghosts don't like construction. They don't. I've heard that. I've heard of many activities, especially poltergeist activities, occurring when construction's about to happen. Yeah, they don't like their space being disrupted. No, I wouldn't either if I was them. Yeah, I'd be mad. Don't take this building now. I live here. Yeah. So these ghostly protesters will show up. And they both showed up before two halls were demolished. There was Roberts Hall and Stone Hall. Apparently a lot of people saw them. There were increased sightings. And Isaac P. Roberts, who's one of the original deans of the college, is a famous specter. And he appears wearing like a stovetop pipe hat, which just makes me think of like Frosty the Snowman. Yeah, like one of those like really like square top hats. I guess, yeah. If he's one of the original presidents he was probably there when those buildings were constructed 
Well, yeah, and I think it said Roberts Hall was demolished and it's Isaac P. Roberts. So if it was building named after him, I'd be super tight if they were doing that to me. Yeah, like, are you just going to name the new one after me? Like, what's going on? Roberts the second. Roberts Hall the second. I don't know. Roberts Hall Jr. It starts looking like the succession of kings in England or some shit. <laughs> like, there's like 10 of them. Yeah. Okay. So this was actually really interesting. And I knew this, but I was reminded of this because I knew someone in high school who went to this program. So there's a Cornell School of Hotel Administration and like hospitality. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because one of my friends was doing like the Culinary Institute of America two years there. And there was in this program where then he would go to Cornell and learn the whole hospitality service. So he must be like a genius. Oh, yeah. Schools are very hard to get into. Super smart. Yes. So there's the Alice Statler Auditorium. Alice Statler or Stratler, sorry, is a woman who was dedicated to the whole restaurant and hotels, workers and service and everything. And her husband, this guy Ellsworth Statler, was believed to be the father of the American hotel industry. So these two come together and they are like the benefactors of the Cornell School of Hotel Administration. Mm -hmm. So what's cool is she haunts the auditorium and the auditorium is used for lectures, presentations, special events and stuff like that. And people believe that she will, like, she kind of, like, messes with people. Like, people will walk by and she'll grab them. And when they're, like, looking away or looking in the opposite direction. And she, like, walks along the halls of the Statler Hotel, which is a hotel on campus named after them. Oh, that's cool. That's Mm -hmm. cool that they have a hotel on campus and that's also still named after them. I know, right? I wouldn't be scared of this woman, I don't think. No, she just wants to make sure that her legacy is intact and that, you know, everyone is, you know accommodated for yeah so whatever that's not that scary so far these have not been that scary i just think that no they all seem very pleasant they all got top hats and tuxedos and (laughs) outstanding customer service like they they sound pretty great (laughs) no you're right well i'm also like having worked i mean as like a server bartender obviously a whole lot like different but having something that requires a whole lot of you know hospitality Oh, that yeah. takes up so much of your energy. And then like, once you're gone, like, I can't, like, your energy can't just like transfer, especially when you're in it, like, to that extent. That's true. Right. So there's definitely a little imprint of them and all that energy there, like a residual haunting type thing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Cool. So here's the one that's like still a little. Okay. So actually, I'll get to the spookier one last. I have two more. So there's Risley Hall. And there's a large, like, Tudor Gothic-style building that's actually modeled after Hampton Court in England. Ooh. Yeah, it's really fancy. And there's a house ghost that lives in there. There, The students actually have nicknamed her Auntie Prue or Aunt Prue. And she's the ghost of Prudence Risley, who was the founder of the Prudence Risley Residential College for the Creative and Performing Art. And that building is, like, on campus as well. Nothing super scary from her except playing with lights, creating cold spots and breezes, and making strange noises. So the usual haunting stuff that happens on college campuses. She's a theater pitch with a little drama. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so now here's the most tragic one. The Ecology House. Originally, it was a hotel in the 1950s, but they got the building because they wanted to actually accommodate upper level students or doctoral students who were female. Mm -hmm. So they had to have their own 
think I think that's cool. It's in the 1950s. Go women, get educated. Yeah, get a doctorate. Go get a doctorate. Kid. Like in the 50s, that was unheard of. Oh yeah, absolutely. That was like stay at home with stay like you know. There's a Schlitz beer advertisement, and I use it in school, so it just like purpose perfectly describes what the 1950s were like. It's a girl who's cooking, but she's burning something. And her husband is like, don't worry, honey. At least you didn't burn the beer. And then he's holding like a Schlitz thing. And I'm like, ugh, so annoying. Ridiculous. Food every day. Yeah. So anyways, the ecology house. It's 1967 and a fire breaks Mm -hmm. out. All right. Six undergraduate women and three graduate female students and one professor die in this giant conflagration. Okay. And oh it's my pretty, God. yeah, it's pretty, pretty like brutal way to go. But again, for some reason, like fire and dying, that whole like dying by fire is very terrifying to me. Supposedly very painful. Oh, yeah. Hope that you choke on the smoke before, before anything else. Oh, God. Yeah. So their spirits haunt the building today. They're probably angry. They have reported seeing flickering lights. Students were in there. The ghosts actually appearing in their old rooms, kind of like going through the motions for the day. Yeah. So like, imagine that's like your dorm room and Mm -hmm. you just see a ghost, just like chilling in your room. Every night you wake up, something's in the room. Something's has your, like their back turned to you or I don't know. That would be pretty scary to me. Oh my God. That'd be terrifying. Yeah. I would need to very, very, very quickly request a new dorm. Yeah, immediately. Sometimes residents say that it'll be the middle of the night and they'll be in the stairwell and they will think they're alone, but they'll hear disembodied voices and footsteps running up and really, really, really close behind them and then stopping. Like somebody ran up behind them and they turned around and there was nothing there. Oh my God. Like they were like running to catch up with a friend and then caught up with said friend. Yeah, I guess like the ghost would, it would sound like the ghost was approaching them. Like they were running towards them really, really, really quickly. And then when they would turn around, there would be no one there. That would freak me out. That's petrifying. Yeah, that would really freak me out. Because then you think someone's chasing you when you turn around and there's nothing there. Like, yeah. Oh my God, no. And then this is sad. I don't like this one. Reportedly, there was a dog that died in the flames. Poor thing. And so sometimes students will hear like really distant barking. And they don't know where it's coming from. Just sad. Uh-huh. No. Poor thing. Okay. So now the last little bit of this before we go. Secret societies. This one has the most cool name to it. It's kind of metal a little bit. Quill and Dagger. I just love that name. Oh, geez. That sounds like a Taylor Swift album. Ooh. Oh, it does. It is giving reputation. It's giving reputation and it's, God forbid, it's the Heartbreak album. After all this Travis Kelsey drama, if it were to happen, I feel like she would name that Heartbreak album Quill and Dagger. That's such a cool name. That's such a cool name for a secret society. I love it. No, it's so cool. So it's founded in May of 1893. Mm -hmm. I think this was the most popular one of Cornell. It's highly recognizable. It's very elite. It's prestigious. 
It's actually been called the highest non-scholastic honor within reach of undergraduates. And that was by the New York Times in 1929. So the New York Times even, like, wrote about it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, though, this isn't really super secret, right? If the Times is writing about it and calling it that. Yeah. But I guess it's more of just, like, no one... The things they did were very secret, even though everyone knew about it. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, notable members. E.B. White who I believe, if I am not mistaken, is the guy that wrote Charlotte's Web. Oh, we can Google. Yeah, let's Google that. I'm not sure. There's a guy named Mark Lacey, Oswald C. Brewster, and Paul Wolfowitz. I don't really know who they are, but they were on the notable members list. So, okay. Yeah, E.B. White did write Charlotte's Web. And Stuart Little. And Stuart Little, you're right. Ooh, he was in the secret society. He's writing children's books. Interested. Interesting. Cool thing. I guess Cornell was decently progressive back in the day. Their Quill and Dagger is the first Ivy League secret society to admit women among their ranks. Oh, wow, look at them go. I know. So, there was an infamous incident where Quill and Dagger is accused of blackballing activist minorities that were kind of against the establishment and everything like that. Any people who were a minority and were supposed to, like, on the list to be tapped for membership of the society were actually not enlisted at all. And at the time when this whole thing happened, 12 out of 40 members were minorities. So they were like not letting in right. minority actors. Oh, we don't like that. Yeah, we don't like that either. Not at all. But yeah, that's essentially what was happening. But also like Cordell is where a bunch of like white men go, right? Like it's not mm-hmm. too surprising that they would be doing this, but it's wrong. It's like, Really awful, but not surprising. Yeah, exactly. So now, membership today is too difficult to keep secret, but they have their own book on Amazon. Apparently you could buy it. I did look for it. And yeah, that's Cool and Dagger. Again, we don't know what they do, the secret society. The other one that I want to talk to you about is hard for me to pronounce because it has a German name, but this one's pretty cool. There's Der Hexenkreis. I think that's how you say it. Der Hexenkreis. Mm -hmm. It has a German name. It's the second oldest secret society at Cornell. And it was first founded as an honor society for female students by women. Oh, very cool. I know. Founded by women, for women, for the girls. It did become co-ed in 1970. It's one of the nation's most influential groups. Again, we don't really know what they do, but the word Der Hexenkreis is a German name. And it refers to like the mystery around the group because it's the German word for witch's circle. Ooh, I know. Isn't that cool? Yeah. And I like that they were like, oh, I guess we'll let some boys in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can join the coven, I suppose. If we must, you can come in. Oh, I love that. But yeah, those two are the most famous ones, even though there are plenty other secret societies at Cornell. But honestly, I feel like secret societies today are like not really that secret. It's hard for them to keep it secret, especially now with like technology and everything else in this digital world and stuff. So actually, some of them, you have like the idea of like joining a secret society, you get tapped and then you get, or like, you know, you get kidnapped in the middle of the night in some basement, that kind of a thing. Some of them have like applications and LinkedIn pages. So, oh my God, really? Yeah, apparently. So it's no longer, like, like something that, like, a higher power really chooses you for. Like, you can apply for it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So. That's crazy. It gives me more, like, frat vibe now. 
Yeah, kind of like not so much as like you pledge to it, but can you imagine going on like an interview and you dress in like your your business professional and you're like, I would love to join yeah. uh, your secret society. Here's why I'm qualified. Oh my god, yeah, you print out your secret. This is my biggest strength and weakness. Yeah, no, no, no. No. So that's Cornell. Kind of cool. Very cool. I was surprised in my research that there weren't more stories of students haunting places. This is like the thing that I've always heard about Cornell. That because it's so dark and sad and there's lots of pressure. Trigger warning. Trigger warning. Thank you. Lots of students will commit suicide and jump off. Like there's like a bridge apparently. So I was surprised to not see more of that. But most of the hot takes at Cornell were pretty like peaceful and happy. I think also once you have a university that's like that old and that powerful, like an Ivy League, for example, like they're going to try to bury as much of that, of that you know, really horrible history as much right. as much as they possibly can because they don't want to deter people from applying yeah that's true like ruin reputations especially like, even, ivy. like i've talked to my dad went to an ivy years ago back in the 70s and mm-hmm. like it wasn't cornell but even he like knew about the lore surrounding yeah. cornell like it's a known thing for like generations so i also think too not trying to diminish any of these stories as well but i was reading and i was thinking about why there are so many just stories of haunting circulating hundreds of college campuses. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the times some of them are doctored or embellished by older students because it's like fun to tell these stories. Like it's fun to get this like, you know, lore surrounding the school because it kind of makes it more exciting and fascinating and get people to go there, you know? It like adds like a layer mm-hmm. almost. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's Cornell. Oh, very good. Surprisingly pleasant hauntings, except for the one with the fire. That's sad. And, you know, secret societies live on, even if they're not that secret. Yeah, we just don't know what they do. Yeah. Well, all right. Everybody, if you want to keep listening to some more spooky college campus stories, please keep on listening every week. Mm-hmm. Also, send us an email with any sort of stories you might want us to cover, any sort of experiences you might have at darkacademiathepodcast at gmail.com. Yes, please give us any, and it might like even inspire us to keep looking at the school that you went to. We can always go back and do like part twos or like, you know, hyper focus on something if we like know what to look for. Oh, yeah. Or we could even do just like listener email stories and yes. we just read them all and like talk about them because i love hearing other people's ghost stories awesome everybody stay spooky and stay in school all right bye bye